I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries, and uh, I'm teaching to you on how we are the spiritual, we're spiritual Israel, and we're in a spiritual Passover, and how we are in, in uh, I'm looking for a letter I had and I've misplaced it, and how we are involved in spiritual Day of Atonement. I don't know if most of you realize, but the men who have, the preachers in America, they hate it when you call, when you say we're in a spiritual Passover. They hate it when you say we are in a spiritual day of atonement. We're in a spiritual Pentecost. The Bible preaches that all the way through. We have all kinds of idioms and I've got books up here on idioms. I don't know if I've got any up here, but uh, meant to bring some with me. But they're on figures of speech. All of the figures of speech of Israel, of Israel, their figures of speech were founded on the Scripture. They had figures of speech. I've, I want to show you, we are absolutely spiritual Israel. The second chapter of Romans says, A Jew is not outwardly, but of the heart. Circumcision is not outwardly, outwardly, but of the heart. The Bible says God will circumcise the foreskins of our hearts. And he doesn't stop in the Old Testament when he says that. He says that in Ephesians the second chapter and in Colossians the second chapter he says I'm going to give you this real quick because I've already read it to you Ephesians the second chapter he says that he tells an Ephesian Gentile church they're Gentiles the Ephesus this is what we call Turkey right here Turkey has probably got more, more biblical history than any other nation in the world. Because on the western end of Turkey, they call that Asia Minor. And the seven churches of Asia were right here. Not only the seven churches, the seven churches of Asia did not comprise every church that was in Asia. Let me see here. Hold on a second. Here's here's churches that are all over Asia: Colossia, Colossia, Perga, Heropolis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. That's one of the seven churches. Trallis, Sardis. That's one of the seven churches. Thyatira. That's one of the seven. Here's Troas. That's where Paul heard the cry of, of Philippi: "Come over and help us." And then Pergamos here, that's seven, one of the seven. Smyrna, one of the seven. Ephesus, one of the seven. Magnesia, that's not one of the seven. And then you had Miletus, that's the church where Paul was on his second journey. And he came, when he first come through on his second journey, he come through Ephesus. That's in the 16th chapter of Acts where they chased Paul into the Colosseum and they were ready to kill him and that's where Alexander who was supposed to be a believer Alexander got with the crowd and wanted to kill Paul 
And that's why he told Timothy when he was pastoring the church at Ephesus. He said, there's a guy there at Ephesus. Be thou aware of Alexander. He tried to do me harm. He stood with those pagans when they were accusing me of trying to stop them from manufacturing their gods, Diana of the Ephesians. I wasn't doing that. But he said, Alexander stood with them. Beware of Alexander. And Alexander was, people say, you shouldn't call people's names. Tell Paul that. When he said, Hymenaeus and Philetus preaches a doctrine that he's like a canker. And they're at Ephesus. Boy, Ephesus had some real, real rounders. And he said, Hermogenes and Phygelus, they're at Ephesus. And they're giving me trouble too. People say you shouldn't call names like Kenneth Copeland. Are you kidding? The guy's a lying thief is what he is. Steals from the poor. So this is, look at all the churches that are here. You've got Philippi up here and Thessalonica right next door to it. So when Paul wrote to these churches, he would travel through here and write letters back to them. You have the church at Corinth here and Sincrea here and Agena here and the church at Athens here. So look at how much that Asia had. And look at the middle of Asia is Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. That is the churches he was writing to when he wrote the book of Galatians. That is Galatia. It's a state right there in the middle of Asia. These others are towns. Galatia is a state. And then when they were coming back, coming back to Israel on their from that uh, first journey before they started their second journey that's when these that's when these Judaizers were saying we got to go back and baptize in water these these Galatians that's why when you get in the book of Galatians it'll say neither circumcision availeth anything but nor uncircumcision but a new creation and then it'll say as many as walk according to this rule, a new creature, peace be upon them and upon the Israel of God. That's God's Israel, the ones that are new creatures. When we're new creations in Christ, old things are passed away. That's the old man. That takes years for that to come about, and all things become new. That takes years for that to come about. That's the inner and the outer man. So when he's, I really like studying Galatians, because when you see circumcision all through Galatians, and it says this doesn't matter, he's talking to these people who want to go back and circumcise those Gentiles. Why? Because... Before Jesus was nailed to the cross, for he was nailed, if you were Gentile and you were coming to Israel, this is why Paul said we're not going to go wash them in water. When they got back to Jerusalem, James, the brother of Jesus, was the head. He was the head of the Jerusalem Council in Jerusalem, he said, we're not going back and wash those people. And then Peter stood up at 
at the Acts 15 at that council and said, we're not going to go back. He said, the water, the circumcision is over. That's in Acts 16. Peter said that in Acts 15, excuse me, in Acts 15. The water washing is over. What did they mean? Or the water baptisms over. The water baptism was a proselyte baptism. Was a proselyte process that the that the Pharisees had invented. They said you had to be circumcised, washed in water, and then offer two turtle doves at the temple in order to come if you was going to come over here from Ephesus and become a member of Israel, that was the proselyte, the naturalization process. When you're naturalized in America, you've got to go through a process. If you're coming from Europe, you've got to go through a process of being examined, given a green card, and having so much time to apply for citizenship. Well, that's why Paul says now the Gentiles, he said this in Ephesians, in Ephesians, that second chapter, he says, and now we are fellow citizens with the saints of God in Jerusalem. There in verse 19, how can we be fellow citizens? Sum polites. Sum means the Jews and us. P-O-L-I-T-E-S. We got our word politic from that. And that word polites means citizenship. And sum means with. We are with the Jews as citizens of Israel. I don't know how preachers have missed this. Anyway. So you can see how important Asia Minor was to the church. There's more history of the church in Turkey than any other nation, more than in more than over here, more than Greece, more than in Rome. You got a little church at Rome, Patuli, and maybe a few scattered out. But the real important this is where Paul's missionary journey started. Now, this we've got all of these idioms, these metaphors that people don't, they just don't realize how much idioms are in the Bible. When they used idioms, they used metaphors. They used it concerning the Scripture. I'm talking about us being spiritual Israel. I wrote this title on the board. If we are not spiritual Israel, why are we keeping the spiritual Passover? And we are. And Pentecost and Day of Atonement. And then I just wrote idioms, metaphors, figures of speech, etc. We've got all kinds of figures of speech. One of the best books you can get on all these festivals of the Jews is this book right here. This is by Alfred Edersheim. He was a Jew. He was born in 1825. He died in 1889. He was he was a um, he was converted to Christianity, and he wrote five books. 
One of them is out of print. You can't get it anymore. It's on Elisha. But he's got these four books. He's got the life and times of Jesus the Messiah. He's got uh, uh, the, the temple, its ministry and services. He's got one called Sketches of the Jewish Social Life. It'll tell you all about their everyday life in Israel and why it's so good to have one of them. These are some of the best books that I recommend. This is Sketches of the Jewish Social Life by Edersheim. And he's got one called The History of Israel. You'd think, well, can't we just read the Old Testament, get the history? Not what he'll say. <laughs> he says some great things. He says concerning when... when uh, uh, when... Elijah. How can you forget Elijah? When Elijah was facing the priests of Baal, this is what he tells you in the 18th chapter of 1 Kings. And he goes on Mount Carmel to face the priests of Baal. He, Mr. Edersheim will tell you, we're talking about back in the 1800s, he will tell you, these priests of Baal look quite ridiculous with their tall, white, pointed hats and white sheets. Yes, the, the clan goes back to the priest of Baal, right where it started. And then when you go into you go into this book here, the two Babylons, and you look up Flaming Cross, look it up in the index volume, back in the back, and it'll tell you the Flaming Cross, which is where the Roman Catholics come out of the Baal worship. And in fact, the Roman Catholics have a ceremony where they wear tall white pointed hats and white sheets. In fact, that was in the third Godfather movie. If you saw that, they're marching down the street carrying a Eucharist, worshiping it, and wearing these tall white pointed hats and white sheets. And it looks like the clan, doesn't it? That's what it looks like. If they come from the same source. So, and he will tell you that the Roman Catholics on Lady Day in the ancient world, that was nine months before December the 25th, on March the 25th, when December the 25th was the birthday of Mithra in the ancient world, the sun God of Rome, he'll tell you that these priests, that the Roman Catholics, they worship on this, on Lady Day, they worship a flaming cross. So the Roman Catholic flaming cross with the priests of Baal and with the KKK, they all go back to the same source. And the way you look this up, you look up flaming cross in the two Babylons. It's just, so you'll find all of these things. What I'm trying to do is introduce you to, I'm trying to introduce you to some of the, some of the idioms and metaphors of the Jews. When the, when they would say, when Paul would say, this is something people don't know. When he says over in 1 Kings, He's talking about judging righteously. 
and he says in the fifth chapter, the last couple of verses, he's saying, I cannot, we cannot fellowship with people. We can't keep company with any man that is called a brother. If he calls himself a Christian, and he's a fornicator, a covetous, this is in verse 11, 1 Corinthians 5, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner of such and one, don't even eat with somebody like that. For what, and then he says, for what have I to do to judge those also that are without? Without doesn't mean without food or without something. Without is a word that Mr. Lightfoot uses in volume 4, page 149. It's a Chaldean word, word meaning a stranger, one that's of another group of people or one outside the church that word without they just simply built their idioms and metaphors on scripture it means outside it means a stranger who's outside the church paul said i don't have anything to do to judge those are we to judge yes we're to judge righteous judgment now let me get into what i'm talking about about being spiritual Israel. Let's go back to Matthew 26. I've, I've preached on this many times before, but I've got to bring it out when I'm on this. The Bible says God will circumcise our hearts. And we are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in that second chapter of Ephesians. And also in the second chapter of Colossians, we're circumcised with a spiritual circumcision. What in the world is that about? That goes back to Genesis. Why is he telling that to a Gentile church? That goes back to Genesis 17. When he tells Abraham, I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people and everyone in your house. And all those in your house that are strangers, that would be Gentiles. But God seemed to have hidden that, hidden that until Acts 2. That the Gentile can be of the same body. When anytime the Bible says of the same body or of one body there's only one body in Ephesians 4 and 5 and that's the church Ephesians 4 and 5 the church is the one body of Christ you find that in Colossians Colossians 1 18 and 24 the Bible speaks of that we're members of one body or the church. So anything, when Jesus said, and he says here in the 26th chapter of Matthew, but people don't even, they don't know what I'm about to say. If you think this is standard knowledge, it's not. I never heard a preacher even say this. They were eating the last Passover. When I say the last Passover, the last literal Passover is what they're eating. 
In fact, if you look at 26 and 2, you know that after two days is the feast of Passover. And then he says in verse so two days pass, same chapter, verse 17. Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they would start eating the unleavened bread on that day. The disciples came to Jesus saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? Jesus is going to eat the Passover with his apostles. And then he says in verse 18, the last sentence in the verse, I will keep the Passover at the house, at thy house with, with my disciples. And then he says in verse, in verse 19, And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. So they're about to eat the Passover. They're not going to eat crackers and grape juice. There are four items of the Passover. Are we going to partake of these items? You bet your life we are. There's four items. There is a lamb without blemish. Lamb, number one. What is the spiritual lamb? It's the same thing that John, when he saw Jesus coming there in John, the first chapter, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. How do you, can you prove that's the Passover lamb? Well, you go over to go over to First Corinthians, and you look at the fifth chapter where we're just talking. The fifth chapter, and he says here in First Corinthians five. you got to slow down and when you read your Bible, pay real close attention to what it's saying. And he says here, he says you're not supposed to be fellowshipping with people who are not being obedient at the Passover. And he says, it's commonly reported unto you that there's one having an affair with his stepmother there at the church at Corinth. He says uh, that there's fornication among you. Fornication is, as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. It's not his mother, it's his stepmother. And you are puffed up and have rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken away from you. He didn't mean killed. Separate from him. For verily I as absent, I absent as a body, but present in spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are come together, when you are together together, and my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver this man over to Satan for the destruction of the outer man. It says flesh. Remember, we're talking about in this study, there's an outer man and the inner man. Paul talks about that in Romans 7, Ephesians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 
and in and Romans well, Romans seven we got that. Second Corinthians four, Ephesians four, Colossians three. He's talking about the inner and the outer man. And the outer man has to die. When he talks about the flesh that's evil, he's talking about the outer man. This is the same man that wrote that seventh chapter of Romans. So deliver such an one to Satan. Satan, Satanas. S-A-T-A-N-A-S. It don't mean go to some Satanist. It means an adversary. Adversary of God. Adversary. That's all Satan means. It can be men. It can be any evil men. David said, deliver me from the wicked, which is thy sword. So deliver this man over to the evil men he's running with. For the destruction of the outer man, it says flesh, but that's the outer man, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. He won't come to the knowledge of truth if you got your arm around and said, there, there, we love you, brother, you're okay, while you're having this affair with this woman. Your glory is not good. You know that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. A little bit of sin. Leaven is a type of sin from one end of the New Testament to the other. It's a type of sin. He said, you put a little leaven in the church, you put a little leaven in some dough, and all of a sudden, just overnight, it's, it's leaven the whole lump. Purge out, though, for the old leaven. During the Passover, they had to go in the house. They had to take a little lamp. A lamp wasn't like what we call a lamp. It was a little bowl of oil and had a taper on it. And that was what they used for light. They'd hunt in the house for leaven. On the day of the Passover, they would take it outside and they would burn it the morning of the Passover. So that's he's talking about Passover here. He says, you know that that may be a new lump as ye are unleavened for even Christ our Passover lamb they didn't put lamb there but it's talking about our Passover lamb is sacrificed for us wait a minute this is 50-55 years after he was crucified on the cross and we're talking about a spiritual Passover here. It's talking about crucified for me, a Jew, and for you Corinthians, which are a Gentile church. He includes them in this Passover lamb, doesn't he? Sure he does. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Which feast? The Passover. Let me and you, Corinthian church, keep the feast of the Passover, not with old leaven. You couldn't have that at a Passover. That's why they were drinking grape juice at the Passover. When the Bible says wine, there were many words for wine. You had the word oinos, which was heavy wine. They could make you drunk. That was not good. You had fresh blood of the grape the bible says the best thing the jews could drink was the fresh blood of the grape that was a very arid land and they all wanted they wanted cold water cold water 
when you read that last couple of verses of the 10th chapter of Matthew, the Bible says when you give your brother a cup of cold water, you'll not lose your salvation. Cold water was in the bottom of those deep wells. When Jesus was at the well of uh, the well of Jacob, in northern Israel, he meets this Samaritan woman in John the fourth chapter, and she meets him, and she's so surprised that he'll talk to her because you didn't talk to lowly Samaritan women. What are you doing talking to me? I'm filth in your eyes. Not to him, you're not. And she said, he said, if you'll ask me, I'll give you living water. They called all those waters running below those surface of the earth, real deep in the ground. They called living water, pure water, and they called it cold water because it was cold down there. They kept all their water above ground in cisterns where there'd be flies and gnats all around and they'd be warm and nobody wanted to drink it. That's why they drank the blood of the grape. And they wanted that cold water in the deep well. And Jesus tells the woman, I'll give you living water. She said, how can you do that? You have no rope to draw with. You can't give me living water. He said, I'm not talking about down in this well of Jacob. I'm talking about the spirit that's called cold living water. That's why he said, if you give someone a cup of cold water, he's talking about living water in the bottom of those wells. He equates that with the spirit. He said, I'll give you that and you'll never thirst. So he says, goes on to say in verse 8, Therefore let us keep the feast of the Passover. Let me and you, Corinthian church, 50 years after the death of Jesus, keep a spiritual Passover. That's what he's saying, isn't he? That's about as simple as falling off of a log. Neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. Ah, there's the, there's the leaven. Get that out of the church. While you're having the, you couldn't have any leaven anywhere near their feasts. Leaven was a type of sin. But with the unleavened bread of sincerity, sincerity, eclinase, means pureness, clearness. And he says, I wrote to you. Now this, boy, how to explain all this at once is difficult. He says, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. But he's not just talking about literal fornicators. Spiritual fornication was going after other gods, which usually was self. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world. He said, I'm not just talking about somebody messing around on their wife. Not what I'm talking about. Or with covetous or extortioners. That's people who are cheating people out of things. For then you have to leave the world. You'd have to go out of this world, go somewhere in space, go off to another planet. He said, because that's going on everywhere. And that's when he says, I told you not to keep company with fornicators. We read that now. This equates, this is hard to explain. These people, this man that's having an affair with his stepmother, he equates 
with the whited sepulchers. We're talking about a Passover here, aren't we? This is Passover. It's a spiritual Passover because what happened to the literal what happened to the literal Passover? Well, Colossians two fourteen says it was blotted out. Colossians two fourteen. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. Handwriting. There were two handwritings. There was the handwriting written on tables of stone. Stone in the Old Testament. And there's the handwriting written on fleshy tables. Of our hearts. Well, which one of those do you think he's going to blot out? Well, if he blots out either one of them, it's going to be that one. He's never going to blot this one out in our hearts. That's the truth that was shed abroad in our hearts. Now, let me tell you who this man is equated with and these people that are living wrong as partaking in the Passover. He's equated with, all through the Scripture, with the whited sepulchers. A whited sepulcher was not a whited tomb. It's not what it was. When they were going to have one of these feast days, you can find a lot of this in the temple's ministry and services. It'll tell you all about Passover. It'll tell you about their idioms that they said when they meant something. Uh, I'll get into that in a minute. This is talking about what this man is a whited sepulchre that's they're t- taking over the Passover. This would First Corinthians is a is a Passover book. It's amazing how God spelled it out to them. When you go to the eleventh chapter, he's the when you go to the eleventh chapter of First Corinthians, he is talking about Passover because when you read if you got a red letter Bible and you read verses 24 and 25 it's in red letters and he's quoting the same words that he said at the last Passover saying the same words so he says when he says here in Verse 24, when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, Take eat, this is my body. What did we say earlier? What's the body? The one body is the church, isn't it? He's saying, eat of my body. Is Jesus saying he wants one of those guys at the table with him reach out and grab him by the arm and take a bite out of his arm? That's not what he's talking about. In John the eighth chapter, after while he's talking to this woman at the well, his apostles say, We're gonna go in town and get something to eat. So they went in town, got something to eat. And evidently they brought some food back with them and they told Jesus. 
Have you eaten anything? And he said to them, I have a meat to eat of that you don't know anything about. They said, what's that? He said, for my meat is to do. My meat is doing something. Meat is to do the will of the Father. See, we get we get in our heads. English words mean what we think they mean. Eating something doesn't mean that. You got this all through First Corinthians about the Passover. In fact, if I went to the 12th chapter, I don't have time right now. I could add to this. Well, I will just go ahead and say this. Because it goes along with eating. In the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, in the 12th chapter, this is the next chapter, just to show you that 1 Corinthians got Passover all over it. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts. Now, see the word gift, it's in italics, it's not there. It's never there when it's in italics. He says, now concerning spiritual brethren, I would have you I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto dumb idols talking to the Corinthians. You were you offered to devils and demonion, that's what he said they did in the tenth chapter. Before I gave wherefore I gave you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse. Remember the Spirit is the truth. Truth is aletheia, which means to take the cover off. It means don't ever hide anything. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Kenneth Copeland is not saying Jesus is Lord when he says Jesus is Lord. He's saying it to get attention, and he doesn't mean anything he says, because if he believed that, he would believe that Jesus is Kurios, Lord, and that he had to do what he said, but he doesn't. He cheats and steals from people, so he never believes that when he says it. Now, there are many kinds of gifts, diversities of gifts, and there are differences of ministration, so he's going to tell you about these gifts. I don't know if I need to go through all of it. I'll just go down here into the 14th verse. For the body is not one member, but many. I said earlier, the body is what? The church. The church is not one member, but many. This is very figurative, abstract language. It's metaphor what he's about to say. For if the foot shall say, that's that's figurative language. He's not talking about a foot. He's talking about a part of the church, a part of the body. If the foot shall say, because I'm not of the hand, I'm therefore not of the body. It takes all of the body to do the works that God wants them to do. Without the ball of the foot, you can't stand up. In the ancient world, they would 
cut off the great toes when they would capture one of the enemy kings they would cut off his great toes and his great thumbs you couldn't hold a weapon and you cannot stand and get your balance without your big toes you think you don't need them you think your nose is more important than that you can't stand up without your big toes if you've seen anybody without there's been guys I knew in school that have half their feet cut off for some reason or other and they would block walk along like this you can't stand up without your big toes if you didn't have your toenails and your fingernails every time you bump something you get a stone bruise you ever had a stone bruise it bruises down to the bone man it hurts and you'd be bumping things all the time without your toenails and your fingernails you wouldn't be able to hardly walk anywhere or handle anything you'd be bruised constantly see it's every part of the body is necessary just as well i want to do something that's more important than uh cleaning the church well if you don't clean the church i'll clean it okay now, even if i don't have time and i got to take time for studying i want some more important job that's i don't want to be the song leader i want to be the associate pastor well i've had a bunch of young guys come in here wanting to be that and they didn't have good sense. They wasn't supposed to be that. Then he says down here, If I'm not, I'm not of the body, is therefore not of the body. If the ear shall say, because I'm not of the eye. He's talking about parts of the church. The place he places you in the church. Am I, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not of the eye. I'm not of the body, is it not of the, is it not of the church? I'm going to use church where it says body. If the whole church body were an eye, where's the hearing? If everybody is the piano player, who's going to lead the singing? We got one pastor. That's me. I'm already here. I've had young guys here think, well, so when Jim dies, I'll get to become pastor. You don't have sense enough to be the pastor. First of all, you hadn't studied enough young guys that have come here and they've tried to copy me and that's all they can do is copy me I don't mind a man copying me but don't sit around writing articles and books saying I discovered this that's just not right that's called plagiarism if the whole body were an eye where's the hearing if the whole are hearing, where's the smelling? Everybody has a place in the church, and he's going to tell you this is about eating in the body. And how hath God has set members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased God. So what have you? What have, what is my gift? What I can do? What are you able to do? You can't run computers. So that's well that's God hasn't given you that gift you can't you can't do correspondence well God hasn't given you that gift what you can do is what you can do that's what you should do can you give your money I don't have that much well can you give a little bit sometimes it takes 
You know how much a loaf of bread means to somebody that don't like hardly any money? means everything to them. When I was young, 21, living in Fort Worth, and I just didn't have enough money for bread. Back then, bread was 16 cents a loaf. And I'd go over to my Aunt Lois's house and say, Aunt Lois, could I have your Coke bottles? I can sell them for two cents a piece and get me a loaf of bread. She'd say, yeah, go ahead and take them. That's how I know what it's like not to be able to have bread. And then he says, And now are they many members but one body, one church. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be feeble, Athenes, A-T-A-S-T-H-E-N-E-S, A-S-T-H-E-N-E-S, Athenes, means very, very feeble, unable to fit in, are necessary, the toenails, they used to think that your appendix wasn't important, so if they operated on your stomach, they'd automatically, automatically take the appendix out. And they found out the appendix gathers the poison in the body. And that you don't need to be taking it out unless you're having an appendicitis attack. They used to think that the tonsils weren't necessary so every little kid back in the 40s if they had anything in a hospital they'd take their tonsils out they found out that the tonsils gathers infection I had my tonsils removed in when I was 24 and I started getting sick every year with with diseases I hadn't had before because it, it wasn't guaranteeing the infection See, the parts that seem unimportant are more important than you think. God made them all important. I tell Mike and Dave and Tom, I can't do this ministry without you. They are invaluable to the ministry. I don't know all those things that Tom knows about computers. He's got a degree in computers. And I know there's much more to learn and everybody's learning every day. It, I had some guys come out and mount my TV yesterday and they were talking. One of them said he had his own company and he had 230-something people. And he said, I got to work, couldn't handle it. I couldn't keep up with all the advancing in computers. It was just too much. So he said, I decided to go to work for Best Buy. Well, I don't have to learn all this. He said, it's frustrating. If you think Bill Gates knows all about computers, he doesn't. Nobody knows all about them. They're advancing every day so far and getting so advanced that nobody knows but just a little bit of their field, even though they seem real smart. So... Everybody, I don't know what day, I don't have the ability to do what Dave does and get on the get on the phone and call all these stations. I can't do what Mike does. 
Mike keeps up with those cameras or that board back there and keeps up with the people, makes sure he's here to start the cameras and whenever we meet. And I can't do what he does. I know very little about what this ministry, what it takes to run it. Very little. You know what I can do well? Stand up here and teach and go home and study. But I would be a little bitty man in some one little room out here without Mike, Dave, Tom, and Mary running the ministry. They run it. I tell people, when you call me about some of the ministry, I got to give it to Tom. He knows, he knows more about where my messages are than I know. He knows the number of a lot of them. You want something, call Tom. If you call me, I'll just give it to him. Here, this person called me, need this. Hey, you get directly to the man that knows calling Tom. If you want to know something about cameras, call Mike. If you want to know what radio stations were on and TV stations on, call Dave. Don't call me. I have to call Dave and ask him. I'm just the teacher. That's what this is saying right here. Everybody's got their job. This ministry will not go without those guys. That's why when we meet a certain offering, I try to give them I gave him a three hundred dollar bonus. I gave him a three hundred dollar bonus this month because we exceeded our regular offerings. I'm going to give him another two hundred dollars tomorrow because we got up way above, above what we normally get. I don't get a bonus. I don't ever get a bonus. Bonuses are not for me. It's for them. I want to give them what they're worth. But if I gave them what they're worth, I couldn't afford them. So that's what this is talking about. Then he says, those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, Artemis, A-T-I-M-I-O-S, A-T-I-M-O-S, comes from T-M-A, which is the word honor, and the alpha primitive. We think those people are less honorable. They're not. Then upon these we bestow more abundant honor and on uncomely parts the people don't fit in well. We give more, have more abundant comeliness. But our comely parts or the beautiful parts have no need. But God has tempered the body together having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked that there might be no schism in the body, that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it, and one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Oh, I love that word particular. Meros. That word meros means a portion to eat of. Oh, you mean we eat of the body of Christ when he said, take, eat, this is my body. He's talking partake in the body of Christ how you can or whatever gift you can. What the amazing thing is, this takes us back to the tree in the garden. 
that I talked about earlier. Meros, when you place the Alpha Privet in front of it, this is a portion to eat of, Meros is. Portion to eat of. And when you, it's got the Alpha Privative in front of it. When you put the Alpha Privative, it translates H-A-M-A, H-A-M-A-R-T-I-A. That is the word sin. It is sin not to partake in the part of the body of Christ that you're, partake, that you're capable of partaking of. This would be a synonym for anomia. Anomia is the Greek word iniquity. Iniquity comes from the word nomos, N-O-M-O-S, which means legal food for animals. That is the word law. It's the word law. And we are sheep. Legal food for sheep. And the alpha privilege in front of that Iniquity means no lawful food. Oh, wait a minute. That goes back to the garden. You can't eat of that tree in the middle of the garden. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. It all goes together. So really, oh, by the way, that is also the name or the mark of the beast. In Revelation 13, or the number of the beast. We covered that in reading some of the emails. So, this, and meros means a portion to eat of. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, he went to northern Galilee and his apostles were in a house. And he walked through a wall. Or he just appeared in front of them. I don't know how he did it. Sounds like he walked through a wall. He just appeared. And he said to them, and they had been fishing. He said, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of fish. The word piece is the word meros. Same thing as the word particular. We are members in particular. Now, so let's go back over here to Matthew, the 24th chapter. So you have to eat of the body of Christ, don't you? You you have to eat of the church. So when he says in verse 26... And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my, what, church? This is my body. Eat of my body. But what does he mean by this? Remember contracts? 
they acted out all of their contracts. They acted out their contracts and they would have witnesses that have two witnesses to a contract. That's why the Bible says, remember, we went over to 1 Corinthians. We got into spiritual Passover. And this is the last literal Passover, right? What gets me about this last literal Passover? It's not crackers and grape juice. You had a lamb. And then you had unleavened bread. You had the number two. You had you had four cups. Four cups at the last Passover. And then the third cup had a special title. The third cup was called Cup of Blessing. Now, I didn't make that up. Mr. Edersheim, the great Greek scholar, was born in 1825, died in 1889, converted to Christianity, and if you will get, you've got a section of the temple that's ministering services, and he will tell you in here, he's got a section on the Passover, and he's got a page just on third cup of the Passover. It says third cup. And he's going to tell you what it was. That was one of their idioms. If the, if the man said in Israel, that's, if they just started saying that's the third cup of the man's life, that was an idiom they'd use. Immediately afterwards, the third cup was drunk a special blessing having been spoken over it. Jesus took the cup and blessed it. That had to be the third cup of the Passover. That's proof they were eating the Passover, not crackers and grape juice. There's all kind of proofs in here. Now let me read this. The third cup was drunk, a special blessing having been spoken over it. Jesus says, he says, and he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them in verse 27 and said, drink ye all of the cup. But what he said about the cup, he said, this cup is my blood of the New Testament. Testament is the word diatheke. I don't know if you know how important this word is. Let me erase some of this over here. This cup is the New Testament. Testament is one of my favorite words in the New Testament. Testament and covenant in the New, in the New Testament. Testament and covenant. When preachers say testament and covenant are two different things, not in the New Testament, they're not. 
Same word. Testament. And covenant. Are both the same word. I don't know why they translated it that way. I don't have any idea. I would have put the same word there if I was translating it. Both those words are diatheke, D-I-A-T-H-E-K-E. Diatheke. They're eating the last Passover. These guys that come up with communion and call it crackers and grape juice, it's idiocy. They're not even paying attention. Diatheke means last will and testament. If it's the last will and testament of Jesus, he's talking, when does that take effect? When does the last will and testament of a man take effect? After he is dead. So Jesus saying, this cup is the last, my last will and testament. But it's not going to take effect. Here it is, sometime maybe 9.30 on Thursday night. Excuse me, not Thursday night. Yeah, Thursday night, excuse me. Thursday night, what we would call Thursday night, but their day began at 6 in the evening, went to the 6th the next evening. Now, Jesus is not going to die till somewhere between the 6th and the ninth hour of the day. There's darkness so this is, this, we don't know what time they were eating the Passover at night on Thursday night. So let's just say it's about 9.30. He's not going to die the sixth hour of the day. They had a daylight timing. The first hour of the day is 6 o'clock in the morning. The second hour of the day is 7 o'clock. The sixth hour of the day was 12 o'clock noon. And the, and the, and the ninth hour was... 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So here it is, 9.30, the night before. He's not going to be dead till. let's just say it's 10 o'clock. Let's just say 10, where they're having this. So two more hours is going to be uh, 12 o'clock. So 12 to 12 is going to be another 12 hours. So it's going to be, about 14 hours later, he's going to die between the 6th and the ninth hour. There's going to be darkness from the 6th and the ninth hour. Darkness. So, what he's telling, telling them, this cup that I'm giving you, they acted out their contracts. This is a contract. They acted their contracts. He's saying... I'm performing this contract. This is my last will and testament, but it won't take place till I'm dead between the sixth and the ninth hour of the day, that very day, because that day began at six o'clock that evening. It won't be over till six o'clock the next evening. He's going to die in the middle of that day. So he says, This testament 
will not take place till I'm dead about 14 hours from now. That's what I'm telling you. It has nothing to do with drinking grape juice. Remember, we've read that verse so many times over in Hebrews. Let's go over there. Hebrews, the ninth chapter. the same word verse 16 for where a testament is same word when Jesus said this cup is the new testament in my blood when does it take place it tells you right here for where a last will and testament is there must also be of necessity the death of the testator mesotase. That's the man who drew it up. That's Jesus. There has to be his death before the testament is any good. For the testament is a force after men are dead. So he's not talking about that night. He's talking about going into the spiritual Passover and drinking the cup. And you have to know what drinking a cup is. Well, let me read a little more on this third cup of the Passover out of Edersheim. There cannot be any reasonable doubt that this was the cup which our Lord connected with his own supper. Well, I hate to forget he calls it supper. It's Passover. It is called in Jewish writings, just as by Saul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 16. Now, 1 Corinthians 10 is after all of this is over, after Jesus is dead, after they blotted out all the rituals, blotting out the handwriting of rituals, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So the literal Passover is over and the spiritual Passover has begun. What do you mean the spiritual Passover? In the 12th chapter of Exodus when they had the first Passover, the Passover would be a memorial forever. Never to go away. Where is it now? It's us partaking of the body, the bread. Us drinking the cup. That's what it's about. It's about death to self. Let me read a little more of this about the third cup. I read to you that First Corinthians ten sixteen. Let's go back to there. I can't read one of these without reading the other. First Corinthians ten sixteen. Cup of blessing was a term for the third cup of the Passover this authoritative Jew says so you can read out of McClinic and Strong the last supper and it'll tell you it'll quote Mr. Edersheim on this they quote Edersheim and McClinic and Strong and he says here in 1 Corinthians 10 and 16 
the cup of blessing. There is the third cup of the Passover. Wait a minute. This is a letter to Corinth. And Jesus has been dead for 40 to 50 years. And he's using a Passover term to the Corinthian church. First Corinthians is a Passover. I'm not even getting to everything in the subject that I wanted to get to. I've got to get back to those, to that Passover in the fifth chapter of First Corinthians, where he's talking about not having any fellowship with these people that are living wrong. They are pictures of the whited sepulchers. The cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ. It was against Jewish law to eat and drink blood of any kind. The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body? What could we substitute there? The church? It's the communion of the church of Christ. Not the church of Christ down the street, but the literal, the real church or the body of Christ. For we being many are one bread and one church. And remember in Ephesians, the third chapter, how the Gentiles are going to be part of the same body with the Jews. And if we are, that's the church. What do you mean we're not spiritual Israel? That's crazy. You got Passover all through the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is a Passover book. For we being many of one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Of that meros, remember over there in First Corinthians 12, where members in particular meros, a portion to eat of. To eat in the Bible doesn't mean to put something in your mouth and chew it. Jesus said the same thing over here in, in Matthew, Matthew the 24th chapter. He says here in verse 45. We'll read 44. Therefore be ye also ready for an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his own household to give him meat in due season? Now he's going to tell you what he it's going to do with the meat in the next verse. Blesses that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall so find so doing this meat. Meat is what you do. It's the nomos, the legal food for sheep. Now, go back over here. Do you know how, how long it takes to get through all this? It's tying one verse to the other all through. There's two verses I need to get to. They're like two witnesses. You don't find them in Matthew, the 26th chapter. And you don't find it in John, the 13th chapter. But you find both of these verses, like two witnesses, in Mark, the 14th chapter, and in Luke, the 22nd chapter, which are the corresponding chapters to Matthew 26 and John 13. It's about the last Passover. Let me give you those quickly. In Luke, 
Oh, let's look at Mark 14. Mark 14. This, it's got all this about the Passover. In 14 verse 1, after two days was the feast of Passover. And then he says in verse 12 of Mark 14. These are two witnesses. And the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover, when they killed the Passover lamb. Notice there's no preachers ever passes around crafters and grape juice every ever passes around a leg of lamb. They don't have any lamb there in their communion. His disciples said to him, Well, with that, that we shall prepare for thee to eat the Passover. Why is it I'm the only guy that seen, can see Passover? You only got four places, five places in all the Bible where you got the Passover talked about in the New Testament. Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, John 13, and 1 Corinthians 11. That's the only places. And then when you go over here to Luke 22, Luke 22, he only mentions the Passover lamb twice as being killed. Twice. That's like two witnesses. Isn't it amazing how God will arrange these things? And he says in Luke 22, you know why I think this way? I'll tell you. When I first heard predestination, and I was about 22 years old, and a guy walked up and said, I'll tell you guys a verse that you never heard of. And we was talking about God knowing everything that's going to happen. He said, let me tell you what the Bible says. For whom he did foreknow, we also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. I felt like I'd got hit in the head with a ball bat. I'd never heard that in my life from my Baptist preacher father. Never. I went, whoa. I thought about that for about two days. And I don't mean this as a boast, but I was always, in all my math classes, I was the kid that had all the answers. I was just, I remember algebra class. Uh, my first year we had a test every day and a test once a week and final test. And I always made hundreds or 98s. I'll never forget. I got in a hurry one time because all the other kids were getting up and leaving. I got in a hurry and I made a 93 on one of my tests. I got so upset. I said, it may be an A, but it's not my kind of A. I don't like that. I got upset at myself. I found that card one day at my house. And I remember getting upset over a 93 on an algebra test because I was always a whiz in mathematics in school and I I don't mean that at both I just it, I analyzed everything because I did when that guy quoted Romans 829 to me I thought of it as mathematics I wrestled with it for about two days and I said Lord if this is true and it has to be it's out of your book Everything that you do is mathematical. And I add everything up when I'm studying. If it doesn't gel, it's not there. Not until I can find the place that it gels. It has to be equality. It has to equal. 
it has to be equitable. How that for how's that for a Greek word? Equitable. Axios. Hey, wait a minute, that's a mathematical word. Anaxios means inequitable. And if you run around with whited sepulchers at the time of the Passover, you were inequitable. You were unworthy. That's what that word worthy means. And a whited sepulcher show you how this man that's having an affair with his stepmother at this spiritual Passover in 1 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, how he equates with these whited sepulchers in Matthew, the 23rd chapter. Jesus told the Pharisees, you are like whited sepulchers. That's not a tomb that's painted white. Whited sepulcher was a term when these feast days would come they had three feast days that these men had to come to from all over the world. Hold on a second. Let me mark my places here. And they came from all over the world. And this is, shows them coming. This is amazing how I can find these things out of... It's not brilliance. It's just... Breaking everything down to the lowest common denominator is all it is. You learned that somewhere about the fourth or fifth grade learned that at fractions. You remember that? It's not hard. Just define everything in sight. Now, where's my bleeper? Well probably under my Bible here. Yeah, here it is. Now. I forget what I was going to tell you now. Something about this right here. Huh? What? Oh, Oh, yeah. They're coming back on the feast days. Thank you. I get so many things in my mind. I've got a million things going on in my head right now. And I can't get to all of them. Well, they're coming back from all over the world. On This is the Jews coming back to Jerusalem. Every one of these arrows is pointing. This comes out of the compendia. It's a picture in the compendia. I've given y'all pictures of this. They were given three feast days. They all had to come back from all over the world. They were given Passover, Pentecost, Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Ingathering, which was the same thing as the Feast of Huts or Tabernacles. And during that seventh month, this first one was in the first month of the Jewish year, Nisan, our month, March, April. Not two S's, that's a car. <laughs> that's, that's my truck, Nissan. And then this one was 50 days later, 50 days later. And this Feast of Ingathering, or Huts, or Tabernacles, was in the seventh month. This was, uh, this was March, April. 
This was September, October. And that was a seventh month period of feast because that was they planted this time of the year and they harvested at this time and harvested all the way through. And the Jews had to come back from all over the world to these feasts. They were scattered all over the world because they celebrated Christmas under another name in the ancient world. And gosh, all of this is like, it's one blend together. And they all had to come back. And when they came back, they were all speaking different languages. That's why they said, how here we have a man our own tongue and our own dialect of the Greek common street language when we were born in Acts 2. Has nothing to do with Pentecostalism. Notice how every bit of this is like one blending picture. You go into Christmas, the tongues. You go into Passover, spiritual. You go into blotting out the handwriting boards. You'll go. You will meet one of these other subjects somehow, someday or another. I was going to tell you something. I forgot what it was. It's just too many things going through my head. And in First Corinthians, the I was going to give you something. I'll just give it to you right now. Give one of them. Jesus told the Pharisees in Matthew, the 23rd chapter, you're like whited sepulchers. As they were coming back, this is what I'm going to tell you. As they were coming back, the Jews knew that devout men from every nation under heaven, they were coming back from all over the world. And they knew that the roads during that time, were bad. They didn't have highway department. When it rains real hard and nobody's on these roads out here, what happens to a road if you got no concrete on it and no asphalt and it rains hard? you got big old rocks bumping up in the road. And you got them all over in there. The roads are terrible. It was awful to have to travel in that day and time. The only people that ever did good for that was Rome when they started paving the roads around Rome excuse me, Rome they started paving roads or putting at some type of asphalt out around Rome and they said all roads lead to Rome well they all had to when they did this they had to go out they would appoint certain men to go out the Pharisees would or the Sanhedrin which was the ruling class of the Pharisees they'd go out on the highways if they run across a dead body they did not move it it was against Jewish law to be around a dead body at one of these feasts so they would bury it where they found it now these men were called unclean they could not go to the Passover so they had to paint it with whited lime. They called that place a whited sepulcher. And Jesus called the Pharisees whited sepulchers. You are dead men in this feast of the Passover. We're not supposed to be around those people. And that man in the fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians who had an affair with his stepmother, you can't eat and be around these people while you're in this spiritual Passover, partaking of the body of Christ, eating of the bread, the body, drinking the cup, 
You cannot be drinking the cup. Paul said in 1 Corinthians the 10th chapter, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. The cup of the Lord is death to self. The cup of devils is distributing fortunes to self. Cup of devils is the word devil, D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. What he said when he said, you cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of devils. What he's saying, you cannot, you cannot be up and down at the same time. You can't be on top of a building, on the bottom of a building at the same time. You can't be going fast with your brakes on. He's saying it's not possible not possible to partake of the Lord's table, which is death to self, and partake of the devil's table, which is which is distributing fortunes to self. At the same time, it's not possible. That's what Paul said. Now so they were said to be partaking when he says over here in the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians notice 1 Corinthians is all about spiritual Passover so he says in verse 26 of chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians for as often as you eat this bread what bread? the body the church and drink this cup, death to self. You do show the Lord's death till he comes. Let me tell you something. Drink a little bitty container of grape juice and take a little crack in your mouth. does not show the Lord's death. You living, partaking of the body, the bread, the church, and you doing it without associating with these whited sepulchers, you're showing the Lord's death. When you're drinking the cup, death to self. That's this other thing I was going to read to you. Do I have any time, Mike? Seven. How much? Seven. Seven minutes. I'll go ahead and say this. I'll read this next week. This is about drinking a cup in McClinic and Strong. It means to taste death until... You cannot be partaking of the body of Christ and tasting death as long as you're running with the world. That's what he's saying. Verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the, bre- of the Lord unworthily, anaxios, that's a mathematical term. Axioms are mathematical laws. Anaxios means the alpha in front of axiom. It means inequitable. It has to be equal. This cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body, the church, and the blood of Christ. It's talking about you'll be guilty of running with the world, running around with people who cuss and drink and believe in free will and do their Christmas. Well, you can't do that. That's when you come in contact with these Whited sepulchers. And let a man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Eat of the bread, that's the body, that's the church. That's it, having a contract. And drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation. Doesn't mean you're going to go to hell. 
The word is krima. We get a word crime from that. It's a crime to God. K-R-I-M-A. Krima. Remember the word kretes? It's a form of that. That's the word judge. Judge righteous judgment. Declare guilty or innocent. What God calls guilty or innocent. Shall drink damnation to himself. Not discerning the Lord's body. His church. For this cause. Many are weak and sickly among you. Many are spiritually sick. Because they're running with the world. For if we judge ourselves. We shall not be judged. But when we are when we're judged, we are right. We're chastened of the Lord, and we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. He's not talking about hold your grape juice and a, hold on your grape juice till everybody gets on. It's nothing to do with that. He's talking about this is the love feast. And he's telling them back here in verse 22, what then? Have you not houses to eat in? You brought food and money for the poor that's coming here and you're eating up all the food tarry and wait for them to get here he's not talking about hold your cracker and hold your grape juice till everybody gets one that's stupid and that's what they do in every Baptist church and every church of Christ CDSC he's saying wait till the needy get here because they had an agape love feast every week and they took up offerings for the poor. That's why we take offerings for the poor. If any man hunger, let him eat at home. You bring food here so you eat it up for the poor get here. It was called an agape love feast. You can look up agape love feast in McClellan Strong. It'll tell you all about it. And that's where this cracker and grape juice come from. The historians like Williston Walker will tell you when the church got under attack in the first and second century by Rome. They were trying to kill all the believers. They would get together and meet in caves in the catacombs, which were the tunnels under Rome. They'd get together and be real quiet and say, did you bring some bread with you? Yeah, they'd have fellowship together. Did you uh, bring a little drink with you? Yes. And they would eat and drink that in fellowship as they were being persecuted by the Roman Empire. And Mr. Walker says, Wilson Walker's got a great, Mr. Enoch Pond also said the same thing, that around 156, A.D. This weekly agape love feast that they had, they would get together when they could, since they were under attack by the Roman Empire. They would get together and they would eat some bread. They called that breaking bread. To break bread meant to eat a meal with your loved one. And they said that little meal broke off around 156 into a liturgy that is a ritual and the church adopted it and they brought it into the church or they passed around crackers and grape juice that's where it came from and that's one of the many things that leads men astray 
And you mean we're partaking of this spiritual Passover. And the Passover had four cups and the cup of blessing was and the third cup was the third thing item was unleavened bread for seven days. And seven is the number of divine refinement. And we being many are one bread and one body. And then the fourth item was bitter herbs. That is what the sop was. They would sit around that table. It was called a triclinium. First of all, they weren't sitting on one side of a table. That's the dumbest picture I've ever seen in my life. I've got pictures. I've got dozens and dozens of pictures of triclinums. I got them all over the place. It's a three-sided table where they ate. The fact that they were at a triclinium means it was a feast. It was a feast of the Passover. That's definition. And every Baptist preacher in America has missed that. Y'all know where I am in this message. I'm not even halfway through it. I'm not even just a slightly sliver of it. Because I've got to go into a whole lot more than I've gone into. We are spiritual Israel. We're partaking in the Day of Atonement. I've got to finish. I don't know if I'll finish it the next time. I'll keep on telling you about it. I hope this information is enlightening to you. I didn't get it from a seminary. I got it from my books and from studying, from analyzing. Please forgive me. I don't mean to say I'm smart than anybody else. I just love mathematics. I still do. I, I ever, everybody is working algebra in the world. Everybody. They just don't know it. Algebra starts on a play, on a playground. Do you know that's where little kids five and six years old are working algebra and they don't even know it. You get a a sixty pound kid on one end of a seesaw and you get a and you get a forty pound kid on the other end. What's the X factor you gotta put on this other end to make the thing balance so the kid with the weigh sixty pounds won't slam to the ground? You got to put X on one end of the seesaw. He figures it out when he's a kid. He gets his little brother that's 20 pounds to come over and sit over there with him, and it balances. That's all algebra is. It's balancing the equation. That's it. That's everything that it's about. And that's how the Bible is. The Old Testament has to balance with the New. It has to equal the New. And I've studied the Bible from that viewpoint ever since I was 21, when I first heard Romans 8, 29. That's all i got to say. It's not all i got to say, but we are spiritual Israel. We're partaking of the Passover, the spiritual Passover. I'll say, I'll say some more about this next time, but I am utterly amazed at how everything we talk about ties together. If you notice, we got in Christmas today. I got an Old Testament. Got in Passover. Got in spiritual Passover. Got in. We got in so much information today. It's. I can't get over the Bible. And for people to say it's boring, it's only boring when you don't want to think. That's what one lady said. I was giving my my. Uh, I was giving my uh, my 
not the VCRs, but the little cassette tapes to one couple. And uh, they were both pretty smart. She headed one company, he headed another company. He headed a big company that covered several states, and she was very smart, too. And I went by his house one day back years ago, and I said, Are y'all still watching my, listening to my cassettes? He said, well, my wife said she just can't listen to you because she don't like to think when she listens. <laughs> she don't want to think. Well, if you don't want to think, you're not repentant because repent means to be turned and think differently. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. God, I don't even know how to express all this. It's just so magnificently overwhelming Lord we pray that you'll strengthen the flock cause them to be strong in the faith because Lord we believe your coming can't be far away and everything's going to get worse and worse and there's not going to be answer for any of these problems in the world fight our battles we'll praise you for everything in Christ's name Amen I feel so inadequate with this message. I just, I didn't cover everything. I, I don't think I ever could. I hope that helps a little bit. At least we know we're not supposed to be eating crackers and drinking grape juice. And that's a part of becoming spiritual Israel. <laughs>